Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Derek and Jason here. Happy New Year. Same to you. Same to you. Uh, what are we talking about today? So a couple things. First, we, we, we are going to get into the arrest made in the uh, gruesome quadruple murders of the Iowa college, uh, Idaho college students. But we'd be remiss if we didn't start the year talking about some really sad news, which is during the last, as we've, we've been away for the last week. Sure. For the last week. Uh, we've had some deaths of incredibly famous, notable people. Uh, I, so, some of them a, a bit older crowd. It's nobody, nobody shocking, I guess. But nevertheless, huge, huge people. Huge names. I, I actually don't remember an end of year this sort of oh, tragic 2016, since 2016. Right. That was since the 2016 when we had Carrie Fisher and her mother Debbie Reynolds within a day of one another. We had Alan Thicke. Alan Thicke. There were you a had few, Prince towards the end of the yes, year. Yes, it was. That was big. It but was a the, very big year. But nevertheless, these are some very, very notable deaths. Uh, Pele, soccer legend, the king of, right. of soccer. I mean, his name was just synonymous with greatness. Sort of like a Wayne Gretzky or a Bob Marley sort of singular figure in their field. Pele passed away of uh, after a battle with cancer. He was in the hospital for a number of days and then just passed away. Real quick, uh, before Pele, soccer was a four-letter word in the United States. You were not allowed to play soccer. When I was a little kid, Pele was just coming onto the scene. And he became a titan as I was still a little kid. Uh, when you were a kid, he played for the Cosmos he in played New York. For the, and New he was York already old. And- but he was old and past his prime. But nevertheless, he launched soccer in the United States, and I cannot overstate that enough. What a sport it was not allowed to be. I knew nobody who played soccer when I was a little kid. By now, of course, the enormous uh, growing sport, uh, especially youth soccer is, all thanks and to his Taylor. name spanned generations. When yeah. I was a kid, he was already sort of retired, but you would still hear in the schoolyard, like, who do you think you are, Pele? Yep. So one of those names that you just like sort of immediately associate with a single sport. And, you know, this is a this is a big death. In the, the fact world, that right? we're the World Cup. preempting the deaths or, or, or leading with Pele over Barbara oh. Walters, Barbara Walters, Pope Benedict. I mean, these are huge people shows how important Pele was. Barbara Walters. Maybe no more important female journalists in you, American history. I think that's right. I was I was racking my brain. You've got sort of Diane Jane Pauley, Diane yeah. Sawyer, Katie Couric, journalists yeah. like that. But Barbara Walters was an absolute trailblazer. I've read a lot of pieces uh, about why she was so big and significant because each generation she had something massive. She would do those interviews with huge dignitaries, huge political leaders, yep. and she was fearless. She would ask them questions that made them uncomfortable, everyone from Fidel Castro to Marlon Brando, and yeah. they became these iconic moments, sort of like a Larry King-type interviewer. 2020, when I was growing up yeah, with Hugh Downs, and then of course, what was her swan song? Her, I don't know if her swan song. Well, I, I guess yeah. Now it's like 30 years old, but uh, the View. The, the, well, the, she had the View. She also for for me when I was younger, it was the post Oscar interview show. I guess That's it was pre Oscar right. on the East Coast. It was post Oscar where I grew up on the West Coast. Uh, interview show where she would get the biggest movie makers of the year, yes. the people nominated for the big awards, and have them on interview style. And, and it all some, looked Vaseline and gauzy yeah, in those right, interviews. Right. She yeah. had a really embarrassing moment where she asked somebody, I don't remember who it was, if you were a tree, what tree would you be? And it was sort of <laughs> widely mocked. But nevertheless, yes. huge uh, pioneer. Pope Ben, she was 94. 
I believe, second oldest person to die this week uh, that's famous, Pope Benedict, uh, the second man in, the first man in 600 years to abdicate the papacy. Yes, it is It is wild. And he lived in the Vatican with him yes. in sort of the back house yeah. with, 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 uh, with the current pope. Part of the retirement plan. And, you know, he was, they were polar opposites, right? In the beginning, uh, when he stepped down for old age and health and health, issues. Pope Benedict sort of went into that back house and everyone thought, oh, now we're going to have a liberal pope in, yes. in charge. What's pope actually Francis, happened, yeah. Pope Francis, of course, who has sort of more progressive views in general. Recently, though, he's cited Pope Benedict's views and sort of retrenched into he's conservative. To the right. He's yes. tacked <laughs> to the right. So Pope Benedict on his deathbed got to see the papacy restored to the sort of conservative values that he celebrated while he was in charge. I, I do want to talk about Idaho. We have a couple other deaths you wanted to mention. Yeah, Anita. really quickly. You need a need a pointer. I mean, yeah. I listen to the Pointer Sisters endlessly. Yep. Jump for your love. I'm so excited. Songs right. like that. Uh, Anita Pointer passed away after a long illness. She was one of the Pointer Sisters, one of the very important important Pointer Sisters. Gangsta Boo from Three Six Mafia, huge death. Mm-hmm. Um hard out here for a pimp. Yep. It was a huge Huge hustle and flow. Yep. That was a yep. very big moment in pop culture. And Jeremiah Green from Modest Mouse, the drummer from Modest Mouse, also passed away from cancer quite young in his 40s. Yeah. So uh, running the, the the gamut of fame, of age, of celebrity. Uh, but, uh, you know, tragic week. These things seem to happen towards the end of the year. They Maybe do. there's some they psychology there. We. We, we hear sort of anecdotally about how end of the year, beginning of the year kind of stuff can lead to people letting go or whatever sure. it might be. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Who knows? Despite the, the the enormity of these deaths, the story that dominated the holidays was the Idaho murders, and yeah. now they have an arrest. Tell us about it, Jason. Yeah, so a guy by the name of Brian Koberger was arrested in Pennsylvania. Authorities allege that he fled the murder scene uh, and drove his, drove himself to Pennsylvania. The four four young people died: Madison uh, Mogan, Kaylee Gonzalez, Goncalves, uh, Goncalves. Is that how that's pronounced? Yes. Uh, Zana. Uh, Kernuddle and Ethan Chapin, uh, four four kids uh, in their early 20s, 20, 21 years old, uh, University of Idaho students. Apparently, Koberger had attended uh, Washington State University. I, I wasn't aware of this, but they're apparently like 10 miles apart. Yeah, when you get into the Mountain West like that, there's parts of Idaho that are just on the border of Washington, so the, right, the proximity right. is there. And so Moscow, Idaho, where the University of Idaho is, and Washington State are just a few miles apart across the Washington-Idaho border. Um, he uh, was seeking a graduate degree in criminology, which people have fixated yes. on. Brian Koberger is he's been painted as a lot of people. Stories have been coming out of talking to his friends and sort of trying to get a sense of who could have possibly committed a quadruple homicide in the dark of night while people were sleeping. And it's look, he's only been arrested and, and, and charged sure. with these with these four murders. But the picture that is being painted is someone who is uh, sort of 
eccentric at best and and sort of colorfully sort of strange in other ways so so he actually had a, a classmate who gave an interview i wish i had the publication he gave it to but i don't uh and the classmate said this of him of Koberger. he said he had to make absolutely sure you knew he was smart he had this intellectual capacity uh, he said his Koberger's behavior changed rapidly especially in the days before the killings uh, police heard that. They also, you, you, he is only charged, and it's important. It is we, very we, important. We've seen many, many times where people, all the evidence in the world seems to point to somebody. It turns out that cops were wrong, prosecutors were wrong. It happens. Uh, nevertheless, cops do say that Koberger's DNA was found at the crime scene. Uh, That's going to be a huge issue, right? Because this is a kid who yeah. was at a neighboring university, doesn't seem to have a direct link in terms of friendship to any of these people. So the presence of his DNA in that home uh, is going to be a big hurdle for his legal team to sort yeah. of overcome if there was no pre-existing relationship. If it's a friend or a boyfriend, their DNA can be on the scene and there's nothing sure. inherently you suspicious have a plausible about reason. that. Your DNA is there for a reason. That's right. Why is that? What is that reason? What is that justification? Or, or do you not buy the DNA evidence? Cops say he's the only sub suspect they say that the students can now relax yeah the suspect has been caught they are boy i hope they're right uh because they're giving an absolute assurance that this they have the right guy here for his part his lawyer has spoken up we haven't heard directly from from brian koberger but his lawyer has said look we're not going to waive extradition there's i can explain everything that happened here because as jason pointed it out you've got a kid who was arrested in pennsylvania for a murder in ohio it looks like he fled idaho. he says yeah. or sorry for a murder in yeah. idaho uh, four murders in Idaho. He says, I was in, it was December 18th. I drove cross country with my father on uh, in mid-December for the holidays, which is a perfectly reasonable time to drive cross country. This is not necessarily a, 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 a him fleeing in, the indicia scene. Indicia of, of some sort of guilty conscience that he was trying to flee the scene. That's this is right. just a, a pre-planned trip that we had. That's how he is going to yeah. paint it. He was with his father. Remember, the murders happened in mid-November. So an entire month uh, yeah. and then and some change had transpired, had, had passed before he drove to Pennsylvania where he was ultimately apprehended. He's also waiving extradition. The reports are out there that his lawyer says, look, he thinks he's going to be exonerated of these crimes. He hasn't expressly, uh, you know, sort of said, I didn't commit them, but he doesn't believe that he's going to be convicted. So we'll have to see how this develops. I don't want to jump to these conclusions based on a single arrest for, for the reasons Jason pointed out. I mean, this there's a lot that has to happen before you see this man yeah. sort of convicted of these crimes. So there's a hearing that's going to happen on Tuesday. Uh, today's a holiday for, for most courts. Um, so the, there's a hearing on Tuesday. Uh, presumably we'll get more, uh, more light shined on exactly what the charges are. We know it's been first degree murder. We know that the prosecutors have said they're charging him with first degree murder. Yes. So they're not they don't believe at this point it was a heat of passion killing or something that happened. Uh, instead, they're saying that he set out with malice aforethought, you know, yes. and, and premeditation uh, to to kill uh, these four people. And he committed. That's that's the charge with what he committed. And remember, the murder weapon here was identified as this hunting knife. Yes. So the idea that his DNA there is is quite probable to me. If they found DNA, you're going to find the DNA of the killer, because even if you're able to slay one or two people while they're sleeping in a very sort of uh, clean, clean way, fashion, clean yeah. fashion before yeah. there's much of a struggle. Uh, the the other two are probably going to wake up to screams. There was there were reports that there was a scream in the house that, uh, you know, the neighbors sort of disregarded as that's a party house yeah, and sure. there's often some screams. But that could have uh, 
awoken other people in the house. It's not likely you're able to commit four homicides by yourself without some form of struggle from some people in, in, in the house who, 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 who were murdered. And so in a struggle, you're going to have defensive wounds. You're going to have scrapes. You're going to have the knife blade hitting your own hand. You're going to leave some DNA. And yeah. that's why I think what it will be critical to this case is whether or not Brian Koberg had, had any connection with any of these four people, which we haven't heard of. And why is DNA there if that's what they found? If that's what they found. I mean, we're, t again, taking prosecutor's word right now. Sure. They have the DNA and they've matched it to his. Uh, DNA technology has come a long way since O.J. Simpson, right, where you can yes. really challenge the underlying basis. Now, if your DNA is found somewhere, it's found somewhere. So he's going to that, – that's going – obviously, he's going to have to justify his DNA uh, and who knows what he's going to say. I want to talk a little bit about the character evidence that's being mounted yeah. here. Whenever you see an arrest of this magnitude that the media is entirely focused on, I mean, this has crossed every sort of uh, media outlet. You're just seeing people trying to find stories, trying to learn more about Brian Koberger. A lot of the stories that are coming out are that he was a hardcore vegan, mm -hmm. uh, that he studied criminology. And people are seizing on these things as indicative of his guilt. <laughs> yeah. You just it, It's a sort of natural tendency. Right. We finally have an arrest. This was a huge mystery for a month and a half. Right. You know, it, it exposed sort of the Idaho cops as maybe bumbling in a murder investigation yeah. and so forth. What do you make of this, though? I read these things and I say, okay, he was a hardcore vegan. There, that's a it's a long road to murder. Yeah. Okay, he studied criminology. Well, a lot of people do. Was he, was he plotting how to right. get away with murder? Everyone's mind runs rampant. Well, there's a reason we a... have rules of evidence, right? There's yeah. a reason that courts have to, that in order to introduce evidence to a jury, it's got to meet a sufficient uh, a level of relevance that it overcomes any sort of prejudicial uh, impact that it might have, right? Yes. And so, and courts are serious about the rules of evidence. The reason is because you present to a carnivorous jury the fact that he was a vegan and they might just not like vegans. Yeah, they Hitler might... was a vegan. Oh, he probably <laughs> murdered people. It's, it's, it's nonsense. Hitler, vegan? Hitler was famously a vegetarian. So they yeah, ever seen that I, list I where say, they, list these, they list two uh, columns of characteristics, uh, vegan, you know, all these positive things and then all these philanderer and negative yeah. things and one is FDR and one is Hitler. Yeah, it's right, right, big right, internet. Right, oh, right. my. Good people, bad so, people. So the fact that he's a vegan is obviously irrelevant to uh, determination of whether he not, not he killed these four people uh, or would be more likely to do it. And so that's the kind of thing that would be excluded as evidence. But nevertheless, to your point, in, in the court of public opinion, in the court of social media, these kinds of things have traction. Now, if he was obviously... Uh, exonerated of this, then people would say, "See, a vegan could never do something like this." <laughs> right. So it's, it's they gonna, draw the wrong conclusion right, either way. Right? Yes. It's going to it's going to be used to to confirm whatever biases we have uh, in one direction or another. Uh, the the ultimate sanction, if Brian Koberger is convicted of first degree murder, Idaho does in fact have the death penalty. Yes. Uh, prosecutors have an option whether to seek it or not, and it. You know, typically it's bifurcated trials will be so they'll have a first determination of guilt or innocence. Um, and once if, if a guilty uh, verdict comes down, you will then have a determination of whether or not to impose the death penalty. You do that because you don't want a jury to uh, have the ultimate sanction weigh upon their determination of guilt or innocence. That's right. Primarily, the jury is there to determine whether the crimes were committed in the sentencing phase is left to the judge. What what sentence should I impose after uh, after this? you know, sort of conviction. Um, you know, 
I have very little doubt that they will seek the death penalty. It's a quadruple homicide, one of the worst, most grisly crimes you've seen in Idaho. Uh, dead of night, apparently no connection, seems sort of random serial killer-esque. I have no doubt that the prosecutors will probably seek the death penalty. Whether they actually get it and what sort of mitigating circumstances are presented on Brian Koberger's behalf, uh, that remains to be seen. Because to get the death penalty is very different than seeking the death penalty. And they'll look at aggravating circumstances and mitigating circumstances. Right. Unless you have, you have certainly a gruesome, gruesome crime right. um, with a knife, horrendous, dark of night. But what we haven't heard is anything from him. And that can really tip the scales towards life imprisonment if right. enough is presented about his traumatic childhood and things of that nature. The last beat I want to hit on this is early on in this investigation, the police, the Moscow police took a lot of heat because there was there were feelings that they hadn't done very much to secure the scene, to investigate the crime. And certainly it took a long time by to make an arrest, given how much how, how awful the, the crimes were. Are they vindicated now? I mean, assuming they have the right guy, uh, uh, is there a sense of vindication? They I, they claimed, just to finish this up, they, they said that, look, we had to keep a lot silent. We had to keep a lot from the public because we didn't want to tip off the murderer that we were on his, uh, on his heels. I, I felt for them the entire time, I'll yeah. be honest with you. It, it felt like it was a very active investigation, but it was a mystery. Yeah. And, and cops are people. And to conduct a, a full investigation where you're able to run down leads while the media and, the, and, and everyone is sort of coming up with theories on TikTok yeah. is a difficult task. I mean, there's a tiny police department and it's with a, a tiny budget. This is not CSI. They yes. don't have the technology that other people have. They invited the FBI in who assisted in the investigation, as they should rightly do, because the FBI has the access to resources that this small police department doesn't have. I also thought it was terribly unfair. I did. It was also rushes to judgment. We didn't know what the hell we were talking about out here in, in sort of Chatterville. Yeah. And we're just going after these folks without a knowledge of the knowledge of the facts. And they came out and said, look, we can't disclose everything. We're trying to track a suspect across an uh, entire country. We know we they've had an idea who this guy was That's for a right. long time. It takes time to, to bring him to justice and not screw this thing up. It really does. And, and one of the things I wanted to seize on is there was so much interest in the car that was driven. There was a white Hyundai. And remember, they found a burned out white Hyundai in the middle of the country somewhere. I think it was Arizona or Nevada. And, and everyone started harassing the person who owned that vehicle. Had nothing to do with right. Brian Koberger. A Hyundai is a very, very common vehicle. And that's why the police wanted to conduct their investigation without sort of right. the onslaught of the press and the theories on TikTok. Now, you're not able... We have a free press, and, and they're entitled to sort of search for answers in their, you know, on their own time and, and do these things. But I actually think it's a vindication of the of the police I department. Too. I think they did a I great job, and so, we'll see where it leads. Social media really does suck sometimes. It really does. Uh, real quick, before we let everybody go, tonight uh, on Fox at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 8 Central, uh, the uh, TMZ has a fantastic special, Lamar Odom, Sex Lies, and the Kardashians... Incredibly revelatory. We sat down with, uh, with Lamar, Lamar for a long, long time. We talked about everything from the brothel to his relationship with the Kardashian family to Tristan Thompson. You'll be shocked at the level of candor you get from Lamar Odom. I mean, I think of basketball players as quite guarded. Professional athletes usually sort of reserved and give uh, stock answers to things. Yeah. Not the case with this documentary. Yeah. Lamar just opens up about his entire Kardashian saga, Tristan, as you said. So it really is must-see television. Most interesting thing he said, I watched the special over the weekend. I had an advanced copy because, you know, I work here. Yeah. And it was... <laughs> perks of the job. Uh, yeah, perks of the job. And he said that he was not... Uh, he did not take any drugs at the, at the brothel that, that night he was saved. Unbelievable, yeah. right? It's I mean, the stories story. that were swirling at that time for him to say that was jaw-dropping. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks very much. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. See you next Bye. time.